the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. Corporate sponsors may from time to time be the subject of buy and or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks newsletter. However, as host of Turning Hard Times into Good Times, Jay Taylor retains the right to provide objective opinions on behalf of subscribers and to his listeners audience regardless of sponsorship. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. I am your host, Jay Taylor. Uh, to learn more about me and my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks, go to miningstocks.com. So far this year, we've, we're having a pretty good year. Our model portfolio is up 26.58% as of yesterday. That compares to a loss of five, a little over 5% for the S&P 500. You can, uh, actually I should just mention the, the sectors that are doing really well for us. The junior mining stocks are up 47, a little more than 47%, and the uranium stocks have taken off really big time in the last few days. They're up 76% so far this year. The Progress A companies, which we call the producing gold mining companies, are up about 22% this year so far. So we, we believe we're doing something right. We're in the right sectors, and we want to keep going. If you'd like to take a uh, take a peek at our letter, you can do so uh, for $59 for a three-month trial. You can go to miningstocks.com or call my assistant here in New York at 718-457-1426. That's Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426. Well, this week's special guest on Turning Hard Times into Good Times is Bob Hoy, who writes a hugely successful market letter called Pivotal Events. You can learn more about Bob at institutionaladvisors.com. He provides a very unique perspective on gold, the dollar, and the markets in general. He is especially bullish on gold mining stocks right now, and especially even more so on the junior gold mining stocks. As I mentioned, ours are up almost 50% so far this year. You won't want to miss Bob's comments as he explains why you should be able to uh, protect yourself against what he sees as some extremely difficult times ahead and not only protect yourself but possibly even increase your wealth while most other people who are not aware of what's going on and the real causes of the current problems will be finding themselves in, in greater and greater trouble financially. But before we get to Bob, 
in our next segment, I'm going to chat a little with my two partners, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand. First, I, I want to turn to Chen. Chen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Jay. Chen, how are things in New Jersey today? Oh, pretty good. Uh, it's kind of warm, very kind of getting hot. Oh, spring is here, huh? I feel like summer. Hey, um, summer is about right because last week you um, you talked about a stock that uh, you recommended and it's done very well, North American Galvanizing and Coating, Inc. Uh, it's up about 30 or 40% so far this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Is it time to take profits or do you think it's time to, to stick with this one a little longer? Oh, I'm holding on. Um, actually, I also have a you know a little buy order here just in case. There's a little bit of profit-taking. It was up 40% as of yesterday, and today mm-hmm. there's some profit-taking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, today there's other steel company uh, reported first quarter. They're all losing money, and the outlook looks very grim. Mm-hmm. This uh, North American gravitizing make a gravitized steel, making a lot of money in first quarter, and then they're going to continue. They expand their business. Uh, their, their balance sheet is uh, no debt, cash, and buying back their, their shares. So it's nothing bad about it. I, I, I mean, the stock has had a tremendous run-up recently, uh, but I think it's a long-term hold. Uh, if you know, Because just out of all these material, basic material stocks, this is probably one, if not one of the best. Yeah, I believe you mentioned last week that it's a play on the infrastructure and the and the notion that governments are going to spend a lot of money to try to stimulate the economy through uh, building of bridges, etc. Exactly, and their gravitational steel is mostly used in bridges, highways. And it earned twenty one cents the last quarter. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Can it do can it do four times that on the year, which would give it uh, you know eighty ninety cents a share, uh, as opposed to a five dollar and forty three cent price now? Exactly. Yeah, that the yeah, right now about 5:30. A little bit profit taking today, but you know I, I see a still long-term stories in, in But you, do you expect to send your your subscribers an alert sometime uh, to take some profits on this one, or are you going to hold it for the longer term? What are your thoughts? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, whenever I see a, a technical top, um, mm-hmm. you know I, I would uh, you know if uh, what I decide to sell, I will send an alert in my newsletter. Yeah. And this one has no profit taking whatsoever. Just goes straight up in the past two weeks. So I, I expect some profit-taking. You know, always there will be a first pullback. Actually, the first pullback will be a good buying opportunity. Okay, we should mention that North American Galvanizing and Coating is NGA as a symbol. would also like to just mention that we uh, that we do not take any, any uh, fees or any compensation for mentioning these companies. These are companies that that uh, if we mention them here, they're companies that we've recommended for our subscribers simply because we believe they offer good upside potential. Chen, you had another couple of good picks, too. Another one recently was Apollo Gold that you recommended a couple of weeks ago to your to your subscribers at $0.28. Cents. I see it's at $0.42 cents yesterday. Yeah. What about that one? Are you, are you still holding that one for a little more? Yes, yes. I think the story is just about to come out. You know, that this going to start production in the next few weeks. And once they get into stock production, institutions and analysts can start following the stock and have a cash flow earning projection. Okay, so if they come out with those numbers, the stock can go much higher. It could be have a lot more follower from, from now. So yeah. it's just getting a very exciting time for Apollo Gold. And they're producing gold now, or they will be producing in, uh, where, where is their mine? Uh, the mine in Timmins. Okay, in Timmins, Ontario. Uh-huh. Exactly, in Canada. And then they just started the mill about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's just, just starting. So it, well, it's an exciting time. You know, people holding Apollo for the past three years was waiting for, for this yes. to happen. 
and it's about to happen. So it's very well, it's, exciting for Apollo. It's been a long wait for some people, but I might add that you got into this stock fairly recently and, and just before it took off. And, you know, folks, the time value of money is a very important concept, too. And if you... If you're able to uh, to time it and to get in right before a run, well, that's uh, that's really great. And Chen has had a remarkable uh, record of being able to do that. Um, Chen, that's about all the time we've got this week, but I look forward to maybe chatting with you next week and see if you've got some more ideas about, uh, uh, you know, some ideas for next week, uh, ways people might be able to profit in this market. Uh, I, You know, thank you very much, and we'll look forward to hearing from you next week. Thank you, Jay. And uh, now we're going to turn to Roger Wiegand. Roger, are you there? Roger's here. Roger, uh, welcome. How are things in Michigan today? Cold and wet. (laughs) Is that right? Well, don't send that stuff this way, all right? Okay. Send it north or someplace. Um, Yeah, Roger's uh, newsletter uh, is Trader Tracks, and you can uh, learn more about that by going to uh, webeatthestreet.com. Uh, you can also call my assistant, Claudio Bossi, who can uh, can uh, help you get a, a trial subscription to, to Roger's excellent uh, letter. Roger, uh, I understand that you think we could be at a key turning point with respect to the Treasury markets, in particular uh, with respect to the U.S. Uh, long bond. Would you care to elaborate on that? Well, the, lo- the bond market has been uh, bouncing in both directions recently because of a variety of factors. Uh, We've, the primary thing we've got coming up, according to Goldman Sachs, is that the U.S. has to raise $3.25 trillion for this fiscal year for the government, and Goldman is one of the 16 primary dealers that they bid on the, at all the auctions. Uh, the, the announcement is going to be scheduled for April 29, and they're going to uh, tell us how many, how many sales they're going to have in the 3s, 10s, and 30s. Um, That'll probably happen during the first week of May, I think probably when you and I are in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a long, slow grind upward for yields, according to uh, uh, Mark Fovinci. He's head of fixed income at Wellman Capital in, in Portland, Oregon. They have almost $3 billion in assets. Uh, they think that <clears throat> the bond market... Uh, it, the supply is going to flood the market, and that's basically the thing that we want people to be aware of. We saw some indicators over the past two to three weeks saying that uh, with so many bonds and coming on both from the treasuries and from the corporates, we just really have to wonder who is going to be do all the buying, uh, what, what is this going to do to yields, what does this mean for the bond market for the longer pull. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we really feel that uh, the price of bonds for the longer term is going to go down. For the short term, because of the swine flu thing, uh, they've gone up just a little bit. And uh, we think that in the next uh, couple of weeks, there could be a turning event based upon what happens in the stock market. Uh, the stock market has made some unusual twists and turns lately, too, in that we saw a, uh, a double flag pennant form- formation uh, on the stock, on the S and P's, and on the Dow, which we have have not ever seen before, and our colleague Bob McHugh, whom you've interviewed, uh, also made mention of that in his report last night. Uh, in addition, uh, that says to me that there's some manipulation going on in the market. At, at least that's that's what I can determine from it, and that the stock market is levitating. The bond market uh, doesn't know what to do. But meanwhile, it's being flooded with supply. Now, we got a very interesting report last night from uh, uh, Nomura, 
that's an international Asia and emerging markets strategy report. And they said, look out for three things. Number one, they're worried about a failure at a government auction in the U.S., the U.K., or in the G7 economies for bonds. Mm-hmm. And that's just the crux of what we're discussing today. Right. But, Roger, there's no need to fail, is there? The Treasury can, or the Fed can always come in and buy the bonds. They can, to use uh, Bernanke's uh, con wording, uh, they can uh, quantita- you know, use quantitative easing, which is just another way of saying printing money. They can print money and buy them up. So is there any reason why the bonds have to fail? Well, you know, somewhere along the line, I mean, I think the the pressure is going to be so extreme that something's got to give somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're exactly correct, and what they're doing is uh, they make a bond uh, offering at an auction. If it doesn't sell, they mark it all as sold. The unsold portion comes back into the Treasury, the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. It sits on the shelf. It goes into what I call bond purgatory mm-hmm. to be sold or dribbled out you know, through through the next few days or weeks, whatever they can do to get rid of it. Roger, we've only got about 30 seconds here. You know, if you believe that we're going to have a crash in the bond market, is that what you're telling us? Yes, but not right away. It's going to take some time. Okay. Uh, and when that happens, is there a way to play this? Is there a way for well, individuals we, we like, to profit we like, from this? Well, we like the... The, but uh, we like our traders to buy the TBT, okay. which is to short the bonds for the longer term. Uh, we have entered into that trade. Uh, it's gone down, it's gone up, but we feel the big trend is down. So you would advise people to, to own that TBT right now? Yes. Okay, folks, that's about all the time we've got for this segment. Thank you, Roger. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, folks, uh, hang in there because we're going to be back with, with Bob Hoy in a few minutes, and he's going to talk to us about the... 300-year event that we have coming, a 300-year storm, and how you can protect yourself and profit from it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. 
Business Owners Speak fills a long-neglected niche in the national media coverage of American business. The myriad of challenges and opportunities facing small business owners and entrepreneurs are addressed at ground level in a positive, business-like manner. We face the realities of meeting payroll and being completely dependent upon the success of a business for which we alone are responsible. So loosen your tie, business owner, bring along your own experiences, and log on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Network. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. I am Jay Taylor, your host on Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Okay, well, let's pick it up with you, Roger. You and I were chatting at the break. There were a number of things you wanted to point out that you didn't get around to pointing out because we got cut off with time. What uh, There were two other points you wanted to make. Could you uh, well, tell Well, on the Nomura forecast, uh, they mentioned uh, first that they were worried about a failure of a government auction, and you mentioned that uh, the government could really buy those bonds and put them on the shelf, and I agree they've been doing that. The second point we wanted to make was if there is an inflation scare, this can cause uh, the bond yields to change dramatically and very quickly. I mean, we've seen that historically. And we are seeing the early stages of inflation around the edges. I mean, it's not pronounced yet, but it's coming. And this, in their forecast, this is a concern. And the other thing they mentioned is uh, uh, Nomura is worried about the introduction of capital controls or capital protectionism, which could undermine these central bank efforts. That would restrict the capital flow in and out of the bond markets throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend Jim Turk has mentioned this many times before, and I, and I agree with him. I think that we need to be wary of that. Well, we're uh, we're fortunate now, Roger, to have Bob with us. Uh, I think you make some some very good points. Maybe we'll get a chance to ask Bob Hoy about those issues. Uh, certainly, we know that governments can and will do almost anything they think they need to do to protect their interests, the interests of the ruling elite. However, there are limits to those uh, to, to the uh, to the things that governments can do. Ultimately, I believe. Markets prevail, and um, and the rascals are tossed out one way or another. Uh, Bob, are you there with us? I'm here, and I'm enjoying what you're saying. 
Oh, my goodness. How are things in Vancouver, the most beautiful city in the world? Lovely and sunny today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, when you have sunshine in Vancouver, it is the closest thing to heaven on earth, I think, that you are. Yeah, find. sure. Fantastic place. Uh, folks, Bob Hoy, I've known him for a number of years. He writes a great newsletter. Um, Pivotal Events is the primary one that I read every week. Uh, he has is the proprietor of inst- uh, Institutional Advisors. Did we lose you, Bob? Are you there? We lost Bob. That's a bummer. Roger, you there? <laughs> All right. Well, see if you can get Bob back on. Um, he 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 runs the institutional advisors. Uh, he lives and works, as we said, in, in British Columbia. Uh, he writes a pivotal events newsletter, which is a brilliant and succinct forecast of the markets. And he's been remarkably right for for some time. Um, he, uh, he he really looks at history. He's a history buff. And, you know, we're seeing the value of history. Americans don't learn history these days very well. Bob has learned, um, you know, has learned how to look at history, look at the parallels of history, uh, and, and to draw conclusions about what we can expect into the future as a result of it. Um, no wonder, you know, his clients really are willing to pay very, very top dollars for for what Bob, um, uh, you know, for Bob's advice. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk to Bob about, and I'm hoping we can get him on the line. Um, yeah. Is he there, Bob? Are you there? Yeah, I'm back on. Oh, great. Okay, good. I hope we can keep you this time. Yeah. Uh, I was just giving the introduction uh, to you, uh, to, uh, to our listeners, and um, so uh, so you're back with us. So I wanted to sort of get into the equity markets to start with, if we uh, if we could. Yeah. Um, you're among a relatively few number of people that sort of foresaw, that, that really forecast this bear market at, uh, at the top. Can you tell our listeners when you called the top and uh, yeah, what caused you to do some, something? It took a few steps. Like One was that we'd noticed some years ago that on any boom, the boom continued against an inverted yield curve whereby short rates were rising faster than long rates. Mm-hmm. And the trick was is when the curve reversed to steepening, and um, which is the opposite with short rates falling. Mm-hmm. And we counted that out from once the inversion started. It go to uh, I go 14 to 16 months typically, and then 16 months was uh, June of 07. Mm-hmm. So then when the yield curve started to change in in May, uh, we got all over it and. Uh, <laughs> And pointed out that the real sign of risk coming into the marketplace is T-bills rate falling, whereas hitherto you have a good portion of the orthodox side of the street were wringing their hands about rising rates, never having looked back in, in financial history, whereby interest rates go up with every boom and interest rates go down with every bust. So we had no problem with that one. So that gave the turn. So in other words, as uh, short-term interest rates rise, they rise higher than the longer-term rates. Yeah. Uh, but when that reverses and goes back down, that's the sign that the economy is getting weak. The demand for money is, is well, weakening. Is that yeah? It? The, the way I phrase it is that in a mania, mm-hmm. it's the uh, uh, speculators who have an immense demand for for short-term funds, and that drives short rates up. Mm-hmm. And then the yield curve then becomes a very sophisticated instrument. Because it senses when the demand for by speculators of short-term funds begins to change, and the moment T-bill rates start to fall, it's it's game over. So, anyways, by by July then of '07, uh, the, enough deterioration in in credit market 
and including uh, credit spreads, had occurred such that we could then make our bold statement that the greatest uh, uh, train wreck in the history of credit had begun, and uh, it's still on. My goodness. Well, that's uh, that's interesting because you know uh, some people, a few people that I know, are suggesting that this bear market in equities is as bad or worse uh, than the 1930s. And Dr. Robert McHugh, who we interviewed last week, has called uh, is looking for something he calls a cataclysmic nation-changing event to correct the bull market that began in 1718. Now, you're talking about <laughs> something that's very severe too. But yeah. did you take it that well, far? We wanted started talking about equity, so then the trick was how to get to the real storm in the equities, and we had a couple of models and patterns that we were using, and then once in 08, that rally up till May, and then you want, we were looking for a key outside reversal to the downside in a week, hopefully the third week in May, and that came in. So then that set it up for a choppy summer with the high probability that a crash of like 1929, mm-hmm. which was also like 19 or 1873, and all these great big manias since the first one in 1720 uh, crashed in the fall and had their, of the crash, the crash ended in November, then that set up the market into uh, sunshiny April and May of the following year, which is what our theme has been. Now, there was an interruption because you've had new lows for the senior indexes in that ugly February, but we hindsighted that one brilliantly by pointing out that in December, the street celebrated the Obama election, and he had the magic. He was going to change the world. So then you had a huge rally out of that November crash, which we were expecting, but not that fast. And then it topped out the first week in January. Then the world discovered that really what you're dealing with in the new administration and Congress is a transition from a free market country to, uh, well, somewhere between, well, corporatism or fascism. It's, uh, eh, you could throw in a little socialism too. So that whacked the, the stock market. But we stayed with the view that the the forceful event was the classic fall crash, and it would be followed by a classic uh, good market out until April or May. And this is where we are now. There's all you know. All of a sudden, everybody's got on the bandwagon. Whereas three weeks ago or four weeks ago, the best we could get from the establishment, uh, like of central bankers, was that he could see a, a recovery turning up in the middle of 2010. So then that addition shortly after that said, no, we want one where they say it's going to turn up by the end of this year. And then the guy at the oh, Atlanta Fed came out and said that one last week. So we have the strong confidence in the, in the economic recovery from the establishment. We've got very overbought signals on the S&P. And the kind of signal we get, we just call it an overbought and a downtrend market. So you think, got, this, you, you think this uprise, uh, this, this rise up here, this correction of the initial leg down is about over? Very close. Yeah. Very close. We're just watching for a line in the sand where the, you can say that, hey, the top's in. Okay. The other thing that really is interesting is that we got some upside exhaustion readings in copper, the mm-hmm. first on these in two years. So... Uh, that puts them equivalent of that big speculative high a couple of years ago. So um, 
copper heading down is going to be, uh, and the rest of the base metals. They've, matter of fact, the five main base metals have sold off a little over 12% in the last two weeks. Bob, I want to get into the base metals in the next segment, uh, okay. but we've only got about 30 seconds here, so I have to ask you, the biggest train wreck ever, does that, is that sound a little bit like Dr. McHugh's cataclysmic nation-changing correction, or is he overstating? Uh, is he, well, I haven't he, read him, so I'm not sure what he's saying no. by there, but let's put it this way. I think this is going to set up the next American Revolution, where by the people, average person looks at the power and the privileges of the of the governing classes yeah. looks at their promises and said, "Look at here, hey, we're getting the dirty end of the stick here." So I think you can have something approaching uh, in the United States uh, tearing down of the Berlin Wall, the equivalent. It looks like Obama and Pelosi are in effect in the United States trying to build via, via socialism or fascism, whatever you want to call it, the equivalent of the Berlin Wall. So the folks. They're not going to like it, and they'll take it down. Well, we'll be right back, folks. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to uh, take a commercial break here, and we'll be right back with Bob Hoy. We're going to talk about the long bond gold and a whole lot of other things. Don't go away. Markets up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owners Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. 
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and we're back here with Bob Hoy of Institutional Advisors. Bob, at the break, we were talking about the equity market. Uh, you're, you're very bearish on the equity market. I'd like to switch a little bit to bonds. We heard from Roger Wiegand, who thinks that we may be near a turning point in the bond market. We've had this remarkable secular bull market in bonds that started along about 1982 or so. It's been a marvelous run for the, for the long bond in the U.S. And what are your thoughts on, on, the, uh, on the long U.S. Treasuries now? Yeah, the final stages of the long bond confused the the street because it was going up in price, down in yield during a business boom, but we just took it as a yet another asset class being bid up in a period of asset class inflation, and that ran until January when it got up to 142 in a terrific rush, which then generated an upside exhaustion reading for us, which often... Uh, is seen at the end of a big move, in which case we're looking for a big bear market, which, according to another model, we expect this to break down probably in May, and the, the number on it was, would be 124, going down through 124. Now, we've seen things about the Treasury and the Fed going to buy bonds and quantita- quantitative buying of bonds mm-hmm. or something like that. It should be pointed out that in the 1940s, when interest rates moved up from 2.5% to 3%, the uh, Treasury uh, became very ambitious and decided it wasn't going to go above 3%, so it was buying bonds out of the market. That continued in the 50s and 60s. Then it's when, when yields were up to 6%, they brought in a big belligerent promotion called Operation Twist, whereby they were going to drive uh, long rates down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it continued up, and as we all know, the long bond got up to 15% in 1981. So I have very little faith in the ability of even the most earnest of central planners to be able to drive down long-dated interest rates when market forces were more than likely going to be driving them up in the worst increase in interest rates in decades. Well, the borrowing demands are absolutely enormous. Like Goldman Sachs, I think Roger Wiegand was telling us, are projecting a $3.25 trillion demand next year. Of course, the U.S. economy is falling out of bed, so revenues to the Treasury are coming in lower than, might have, than some of the planners might have expected. So where is this money going to come from? The Chinese, the Chinese don't have that kind of money, and they, even um, if they're willing to lend it to us, and there's signs that they're getting fed up with owning dollars yeah. right now. No, in a, in a contraction, the scared liquidity goes to T-bills. That's why they go to zero. Mm-hmm. The Fed had nothing to do with lowering interest rates to zero. Well, everybody the market goes, did it. Yeah, the market, everybody runs yeah. to the short end of the yield curve. I, so then what we've been advising all the way through is that investors would get defensive and, and hold, keep investing around the five-year term, as in any previous post-bubble deflation, you're going to get, uh, with bill rates falling to zero, you don't get any money there. And, uh, and then eventually when the long bond tanks, you can't be out at the long end, you'll get hit with price. 
But actually, our accounts in the five-year note have made money, and then also for accounts uh, offshore, either Canadian or whatever, we've advised owning, owning American bonds because we consider the bull market in the U.S. dollar will continue for some time yet. On the sh- but short-term T-bills and that like, is that what you're advising people to own? No, five-year note. Oh, five-year notes, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do we play this uh, this crash in the treasuries, the long bonds that's, that's coming? Well, you can sh- you can go long the five-year and short the 20-year. Okay, another way to do and it. And then you, you, then you end up with that. Because uh, the sure. feature of every post-bubble contraction is curve steepening. Okay, so you're bullish on the dollar, which, and I have to get to uh, move along here because we have so much to talk about. Yeah. But let's uh, let's visit this inflation deflation issue, if you if you will. Yeah. And, and Bob, you're one of the few people that I know that really saw this stronger dollar issue. You have talked about the senior currency during an economic during a, a financial market contraction being the strongest currency. And is that what you see? Continuation of this sort of deflating global economy and, and hence a stronger dollar. Yeah, um, those who discovered that the dollar strengthened last year uh, sort of had a came up with a story about repatriating speculative money. But the, we look at it as this way: that during a boom, the Fed could inflate any amount of credit. The more they could inflate or assist the inflation, the lower the dollar would go. And then also, during a boom, a whole lot of sovereign credits and corporations out there, outside of the states, are able to borrow money cheaply, relatively cheaply, mm-hmm. and then most of that is often obliged to be repaid in U.S. dollars into New York. Mm-hmm. So then once the inflation, uh, the credit inflation stops and prices of all the items that have been speculated in crash, it shuts the window on the ability of the Fed to issue. Mm-hmm. Although they may be trying to issue, overall, I would suggest that between velocity and everybody wanted to pay money back, it's not happening. So our line has been that uh, the senior currency uh, will be chronically strong against most currencies, most commodities for most of the time. And then one can trade it on, uh, you know, with usual technical research. But we were the only ones that were looking for the crash in the fall that would include a stronger dollar and a weaker gold until the right. crash was over. Right. I believe you were the only one. Yeah. Certainly the only yeah. ones that I've heard of uh, that, that, uh, that saw but it that it way. But it wasn't imagination, Jay, because we knew that there was, a gold, there was a price market for gold in the 1873 bubble, and it fell down until November when that crash ended. And then also in 1929, if you take the deflated price of gold, and it fell down until uh, that November. So, hey, we had two instances with numbers showing that gold could decline in a crash. Well, Bob, you know, the vast majority of gold bugs, and I'm, I'm going to include Ron Paul in this and Peter Schiff, of course, uh, believe that with all of the quantitative easing, all the money that's pumped into the banks, that ultimately we're going to have an inflation. Some are even suggesting a hyperinflation. And on the other side of it, Robert Prechter, my friend Ian Gordon, who we're going to interview also in the show soon, yourself, I believe, if I understand you, are calling for a deflation. What are the inflationists missing, if, if I'm reading you right here? Well, it took maybe 70 years before the establishment finally figured out that inflation was happening. Mm-hmm. But in our big picture, you, what you want to do is ask yourself, when were the three periods in time of most chronic price inflation 
using the Europe, not a banana republic. Well, I already know the answer. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> Third century in Rome, rampant price inflation. 16th century, rampant price inflation. And 20th century into recent rampant price inflation. Now, the other one of those things is how long did it last? Approximately 100 years each time. And then the other thing in common with it was that it was an experiment in authoritarian government. Uh, for example, Rome went from a republic to a police state. Mm -hmm. uh, a benign Catholic church in Europe turned into a police state. Uh, and then we had a number of experiments with police states in the 20th century. So there seems to be a tribal memory at work whereby after 100 years of rip-offs, enormous taxations, currency depreciation, the public finally says no. And so here, this is fascinating now because the tribe of inflationists is trying their damnedest and they don't understand velocity of money. Uh -huh. And if, if, they un if, if the establishment understood the velocity of money, then they would know that there's no need for the Fed to uh, ease at any time. Because the, the velocity will mean that in any boom, the, the amount of credit required to party will always be there. So here's what we're doing is we're probably at the end of a hundred year experiment in authoritarian government and the equivalent of hyperinflation and everybody from a small player to major institutions got on board. Bob, you know, I'm going to have to, I, I, so your, your idea here is that we're deflating and there's nothing that the establishment can do about it. You've got this velocity issue where people are hanging onto their money, they won't spend yeah. it, and the hoarding aspect, and there's nothing government can do, nothing the policymakers can do to change yeah. that. Okay, yeah. I've got to move on to gold to here. we only got about a minute, two and a half, maybe two minutes left, and I, I've got to get on to gold a little bit here. Gold, silver, and precious metals, you don't see them the same. You're really quite bullish in, uh, on gold, as I understand it. Could you yeah, because we look at the real price of gold, yeah, and you... it typically goes down in a bubble uh -huh. and then goes up for three to four years afterwards, and the real price has gone up a lot. And so we're we seeing the real price of gold. That is what gold. an ounce of gold will buy, essentially. Yeah. The value of an ounce of gold surging right now. Is that right? Yeah. It's and you, so you've gone back and looked at this over years. the last 300 years at six major contract, expansion contraction cycles. And with each contraction, that has been basically the way it's worked. Is that right? Yeah. You get your best bull market for gold in the post-bubble depression. And the, the, the real price now has gone up so much in the last two years, it's built in a huge plateau of profitability for the industry that, of course, we'll be showing up in mining operations whereby the price of bullion is very attractive to their costs of mining it. And then also ore bodies will be upgraded because, uh, you know, the real price goes up. It's sort of like getting an extra 20% out of the each ore valuation. So, again, it's not my imagination. We've just followed what happens to the different markets after you've gone through a great financial bubble. Okay, Bob, you're really bullish on gold shares then, as I understand it, because of this real price of gold increasing. Is that right? Profitability yeah. of gold mining shares. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very, very yeah. bullish. Whereas in the last time when the, until uh, a couple of years ago when the, the bear raid for the dollar was on, people discovered that the real price of gold was falling 
and the senior companies weren't making any money out of it. So you hear your typical gold bug had the best of all, of what he thought was the best of all worlds. You had a weak dollar, you had soaring gold prices, but hey, the cost of mining gold was going up, so the gold mining companies weren't benefiting. Well, there you have it, folks. We uh, yeah. should have taken an hour with Bob Hoy. We'll have you back sometime, I hope, Bob, in the near future. In the meantime, folks, you can go to institutionaladvisors.com, institutionaladvisors.com to learn more about Bob's work. And I want to also mention that Bob's going to be speaking at the CMRE Spring Meeting in New York. And people, you should really go to that. We've got a lot of great speakers, James Grant, uh, uh, Jack Willoughby, uh, the Prime Minister of Estonia, and a, a host of others. Call 704-598-3717, 704-598-3717. And we'll be right back with Lena Monasaridis. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. It's your life. Believe it. Live it. Be it. Focus on the right things with simple approaches made easy. Combat the inertia that sabotages your power to transform intention into impact. Your hosts, Andrea Chilcote and Susan Reese, guide you as you discern reality from illusion to transform your potential into your desired results. Simple Not Easy is heard live every Monday morning at 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When you load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to jtaylor at miningstocks.com. That's the website for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. Now back to our program. Welcome back. I'm here with Elena Monasaridis. She's our European connection from Athens, Greece. You can learn more about Lena's work at spikecharts.com. That's spikecharts.com. And read her excellent blog every day. She gives your, her views on the, on the market. And Lena, welcome. Hello, Jay. Nice to be back. Oh, good to have you. I'm just wondering, you're talking again today about risk aversion, and you're tying in the 
the situation here with the flu, this uh, this unfortunate uh, swine flu. Could you explain? Sure. Um, at the moment, we see that in the since the whole flu outbreak uh, spread out um, in the news, in the internet, and the media, we see the dollar strengthening once again, and that is the reason that traders buying it as again as a safe haven um, asset. And it's because um, there is a, a lot of uncertainty uh, about the economic future because obviously we've got the global crisis, the economic crisis which happens in the U.S. and globally, and now together with this uh, news that we have yesterday, I believe, or the day before, that this um, outbreak is uh, hitting Mexico and now they're talking about the whole world, right? I mean, the latest polls and numbers are giving us updates spreading all around the world. So. We see now again, uh, like we saw two or three years ago when we spoke about this, Jay, about the bird flu. So it's another thing that um, traders are buying the dollar because of risk aversion. And when uh, there is uncertainty and when there is fear in the market, Mm -hmm. traders once again turn to the dollar. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to understand that a little better. Why is it? Why, Why do you think people do that? I mean, what's so great about the dollar? We have an economy here that is really falling out of bed. I mean, Bob Hoy, I guess, maybe gave some explanation for it mm-hmm. when we spoke to him. The notion that uh, you, if you see the global economy contracting, uh, debts have to be repaid then, you know, the loans are called in, and you have this demand for the currency. Is that is that what it is? I think so. I think the fact that is a dollar is still, I mean, okay, the economic fundamentals are not good, and we all know that. We keep um, following them uh, around uh, since January or December even. However, the dollar still remains the dominant currency, and most traders will keep buying the dollar because uh, don't forget that they have to short uh, to hedge uh, towards the stocks once again. I mean, when the dollar is rising, then the the stocks are falling. So basically, there is another way of hedging and protecting their assets. And that's why it's called risk aversion, because they try to short cover the other investments and they turn to dollar. So, so what are your, what are your bets now? The dollar is going to be, let's, let's say go out six months. Where is the dollar going to yeah. be stronger? Um, I, I'm not, I'm not positive on dollar, to be honest, Jay, long term. I mean, uh, that's I like too long to for you, my, probably. Yeah, I like to keep my um, views on the dollar quite short term because yeah. at the moment what we see is uh, markets fearing and traders uh, fearing uh, the worst, and therefore they're buying the dollar as a safe haven um, asset. But we keep seeing this battle, and there is the battle of risk appetite and risk aversion. One day we see risk aversion, therefore the stocks are gaining, and the gold is rising, and uh, the next day we see a risk uh, aversion. And again, we see the stocks down. And so until we have a clear picture of what is going to happen with economic data that we have, for example, don't forget, next week we've got the payroll numbers, which is going to be a great indicator of where the dollar is going to go short term again. However, I see that six months down the line, I think that the dollars, uh, the dollar is going to weaken once again because traders will realize that, you know, as we both said, there is no reason why fundamentally the dollar will strengthen. Okay, so you mentioned we got payroll numbers next week. And, uh, Absolutely. What are your uh, next week is quite important. What are your expectations, Lena, if you have, uh, and what are the, um, what's the market well, expecting? 
Sure. The expectation, I mean, the, the, the forecasts are giving us minus 650 almost, 640,000, which people saying, um, I was reading some analysts' uh, um, um, predictions, and they were saying that it's going to be a good number. And I'm thinking to myself, that is not a good number. I mean, obviously, it's better than having minus 700,000, which is a really, really dismal number. However, um, as I told you before, Jay, um, the numbers are coming, and we know that they're bad. However, if they're slightly better than they expected, traders immediately starting to think that maybe that is the end of it and maybe there is hope and maybe there is light uh, in, um, under the tunnel, you know, that maybe the worst is over. However, what we need to see is two, three, or four months um, continuing better numbers, and that so far hasn't happened. So until we see that, we need to take this news more realistic. I'm not really sure where those payroll numbers would improve, Lena, given the fact that the housing market continues to go down here. We're not seeing building. We're not seeing construction. Uh, You know, the automobile automobile manufacturers are virtually closing. The U.S. automobile makers are closing their shops for the entire summer, from what uh, from what I hear. Uh, so it's it's really hard to see it's really hard to see that light at the end of the tunnel you're talking about. Are there any other uh, things on the economic calendar next week that we should be aware of? Sure, uh, there is a very very important ECB meeting which is on next Thursday, and this time it's going to be really important, Jay, because we've got so many mixed signals about what Mr. Trichet will do with the interest rates. Uh, up to today, I was thinking if you asked me what is he going to do, I would say probably he will cut again. Uh, at the moment, the rates are 1.25%, and they were saying that it's going to go 1% or even below. However, today, um, in a speech that he made uh, in the journalist, he said that lowering interest rates is not maybe the right path to go. Mm. And maybe uh, what U.S. And, uh, and England done with their rates has nothing to do with what ECB wants to do. Right. So, therefore, he tries to justify his actions because many analysts said that he was being a bit slow in reacting to the whole recession thing, right? So, he's been justifying the thing, saying that maybe uh, lowering even less than 1% mm-hmm. and going down the zero rate is not going to happen. So, now, really, traders are really mixed and they're very confused about what, what's going to happen. So, it will be very interesting next Thursday to see what ECB will do. I believe that they might um, cut by 25 mm-hmm. um, points. Therefore, the rates will be 1%. However, the statement after will be very crucial for the euro direction and the dollar as well. Of course, the United States policymakers want to see Europe continue to weaken and uh, and to lower and to print money, uh, just as we've done. Yeah. We've seen uh, you know Merkel in Germany. Uh, suggesting that that's probably the wrong policy, and uh, it's uh, as you, we were talking last week. You, you mentioned that the Europeans seem to be sort of sitting on the fence with respect to, to uh, monetary policy, whereas uh, you know, and, and which direction things should go. A lot of people would like to see the dollar replaced uh, by some other, uh, you know, some other currency or basket of currencies. And um, uh, well, I guess we'll we'll just have to watch and see what happens next week. Um, so we'll, we'll Absolutely. Keep an eye on I do believe that next week next might week. give us a good uh, indication when the currencies are going, because at the moment, if you look at the currencies, you'll see that they're stalling. We don't have a clear direction. Traders do not want to commit either way. They don't want to buy the dollar. They don't want to buy the euro. It's just trapped within tight ranges. And until we see a breakout from euro dollar, for example, uh, or the pound dollar, we cannot say either way. So we have to wait until the next week, I think, to determine where it's going to go. Well, we'll have to leave it there, uh, Lena, and I look forward to uh, sure. you can tell us what's happening in Europe next week, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you then. I've got to...
just wrap up here now. So, Absolutely. Uh, nice to be week, back Lana. today. Have a nice week. And you too. Um, now, next week we're going to be talking to my good friend Ian Gordon. He's an investment banker and historian who's really done a lot of work with the Kondratiev cycle, uh, the Nikolai Kondratiev, the Russian economist who tracked long-wave cycles. You can go to thelongwaveanalyst.com to learn more about Ian Gordon. Ian believes, much as Bob Hoy does, uh, that we are in a contraction that will be as bad or worse uh, than the 1930s. So Ian will have some ideas about how to invest in this environment as well. Uh, we hope that you'll, you'll stick with us and come back and hear uh, Ian's views. Uh, so until next week, uh, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.